So we are continuing our month-long look at our theme, Faith. Except for today, we're going to be looking at something a little different. Now, I told you that we had some young people participating, and we'll have some young people participating at the end of the service, too. But the reason they were participating is because in the Salvation Army, we have a Sunday that we call Candidate Sunday. Now, it's a special Sunday for us. It's a Sunday where those who feel a calling in their lives from God to be active in a service to him, get recognized during the service and are asked to participate. Now they may have plenty of time before they're even fully ready to be of service to God, and there's different levels and ways in which we are service to God, but Candidate Sunday is specifically for those who feel like they may be called into the line of ministry in more of a full-time capacity. But honestly, all of us have a little bit of a calling in our life, don't we? Now, it's also a special Sunday because do you know that it is a national day for something? Now, there are all kinds of national days. In fact, I was just looking at Facebook and apparently it is yet once again time for National Talk Like a Pirate Day. When apparently if you go to Krispy Kreme and ask for a donut like a pirate, you get a free donut. Aye, matey, I want me donut. Right? With a hook. But today is a different day for us. It is what's known as National Back to Church Sunday. A growing trend is that people are leaving the church. And that doesn't necessarily mean, though, that they're not claiming belief in some faith or another. I was looking online doing some research and I found that around Christmas time, in fact, back in 2002, the Washington Times ran an article. It quoted a survey done by the Pew Research Center's Forum on Religion and Public Life. And here's what the report said. There are 5.8 billion religiously affiliated adults and children around the globe, representing 84% of the world's population of 6.9 billion back in 2010. About 5.8 billion people said that they were religiously affiliated. 84% of the world's population, which back in 2010 was 6.9. Now, the breakdown of this global religious landscape based on analysis of 
over 2,500 censuses that were performed, are this. The largest group of one faith, at less than even half, at 32%, making up 2.2 billion people, are Christians. After that, the next group, making up 23%, or 1.6 billion, are Muslims. 15%, or 1 billion, are Hindus. 7%, or 500 million, were Buddhist. There was a showing a for for the Jews, not a whole lot. 400 million or 6% people, though, claimed various traditional religions, such as African traditional religions, Chinese folk religions, American Indian religions, and Australian Aboriginal religions. The number on the Jewish Jews were 14 million. And here's the thing, an estimated 58 million, slightly less than 1% of the global population, belong to other religions, some of which I'm not even sure how to pronounce. Taoism, Wiccan, Zartanianism, Janianism. In other words, some of these are smart little groups that we may have never even heard of. But they are recognized in this study as being a faith, a religion. All of these people, 84 84% of the world's population back in 2010, claimed to have faith. But when you got down to it, only 32% of them had faith in what really mattered. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 through 38 says this in the message. Think straight. Awaken to the holiness of life. No more playing fast and loose with the resurrection facts. Ignorance of God is a luxury you cannot afford in times like these. Aren't you embarrassed that you've let this kind of thing go on as long as you have? Some skeptic is sure to ask you, show me how this resurrection works. Give me a diagram. Draw me a picture. What does the resurrection body look like? If you look at this question closely, you'll realize how absurd it really is. There are no diagrams for this kind of thing. We do have a parallel experience in gardening. You plant a dead seed. Soon, you get a flourishing plant. There are no visual likenesses between seed and plant. You could never guess that a tomato would look like it does after you see the tomato seed. What we plant in the soil and what grows out of it doesn't look alike. The dead body that we bury in the ground and the resurrection body that comes from it will also be dramatically different. Paul wrote that. He was talking to the church in Corinth who were experiencing some difficulties in fully understanding. They had some false teaching going on. 
there was some dispute about what to believe. And so I wrote them that, but I think that part up there. Ignorance of God is a luxury you cannot afford in times like these. Things were bad back then. Things are bad now, right? That one verse right there, that one line, is just as true today as it was back then. Ignorance of God is not a luxury we can afford in times like these today. Now, I said it was a special Sunday. It was a day which we recognized those who had felt a calling on their lives and to be of service to God by ministering to people. But the thing is, we have all been called. We may not be called in the same capacity as one another, but God has a purpose in store for us. He has a calling in our lives. The question is, is do we answer? Do we have faith enough in our calling and faith enough in God that he is going to see us through? That he is going to provide what we need to do his will. That he is going to reveal his ways to us and show us how we should go. When I think of different callings of people in the Bible and the faith it must have taken for them to act, you know, we think of Paul, we think of the disciples. And a lot of times when we talk about the faith that they had, the early followers, we talk about the New Testament. But there's a prophet in the Old Testament who shares his calling with us. And I want to say that when we read his calling, when we look at his calling, we can learn a lot about faith and how faith is essential in our calling in our own lives and how to use it. The prophet we're going to talk about today is Jeremiah. I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to be looking at the first nine verses. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 verses, and it says this. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilakai, one of the priests at Ananoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. 
Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. There's a couple of things we see when we look at that scripture passage. God tells Jeremiah that he not only knew him, but that he knew him before he was born, that he knew him when he was formed. God tells Jeremiah, I've set you apart. But we learn in the New Testament, we've all been set apart to do God's will because we've been set apart from the world. Jeremiah, in the scripture, is being appointed to a purpose to tell God's message to the people so that they may believe and have faith in him. But if we go to the New Testament, Matthew 28, we learn that we have all been called to go and to share that message, to share our faith with others so that they too may have faith and believe. Now, How many of us, when we've been asked to do something, have ever offered up excuses because we didn't think we were good enough at it? We didn't think we could do it right. We didn't think we were the right choice. Right? That's kind of what happens with Jeremiah here, right? He says, I am only a child. I can't do this, Lord, right? And the Lord said, well, you've got to go everywhere I send you. And talk to everyone I tell you to. God calls people all the time. Sometimes early in their lives. Sometimes later in our lives. One thing remains constant, though. No matter what age, where we're from, or what we think we can or cannot do, God calls people. He calls them out of where they were to go to where he needs them to. To take his message, to share faith in him with others. The question is, is do we listen or do we offer up excuses? Jeremiah also said, I'm only a child. I'm not going to know what to say, Lord. Why do you want me to go? Right? He lacked faith that God could provide even that simple thing being the words to speak. And we see what happens there, right? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that the Lord reached out and touched his mouth and said there, now I have given you the words to speak. Now I have told you what to say. You just have to say it. Have faith in what you've been told to share. The Lord places a calling in all of our lives. 
we are called to have faith in it, not to offer up excuses about why we aren't equipped to do it. Jeremiah demonstrated that lack of faith, and God provided tools. Now, I'm a daughter of a mechanic, so I grew up surrounded by tools, all kinds of tools, tools that I didn't necessarily understand what they did, right? Tools that I thought looked the same, but apparently were not the same. There's a seven-eighths, and there's a one-fourth, and there's a three-eighths, and they're not the same, and if you want the seven-eighths, then you can't use the three-eighths because they're not going to work just right. But when you know you need a seventh eighth, you go for it. You have faith that it's going to work. Mechanics are trained, and they're equipped with tools. They go to schooling. They continue to learn. They continue to get tools that are going to help them provide them to, with, with what they need to do the job. They put their trust in those tools. If it's supposed to do a particular function, they believe it's, that's what it's going to do. Telling God's message to the people also requires the use of tools. And it requires us to put our trust and faith in what God gives us. One of the best tools he's given us about sharing faith actually now fits in the palm of your hand. You can take it anywhere you go in whatever translation you want. What do they say? There's an app for that now? The app I have on my phone with the Bible will actually give me even a couple of different translations. I can find the version I want in English, but if we have a language problem, I could probably find a different translation of the same verse. I know what it says in English. I can share it with somebody else in a different language. The Bible's the same. We have faith in the tools that God provides for us. Just like God equipped Jeremiah with what he needed to fulfill the task that God had chosen for him, God equips us. But it's going to take faith to be willing to embark on that journey. It's going to take faith to override the excuses, the self-doubt that we have. Anyone can be appointed to God's messenger no matter age or circumstances. I told you that when we talked about people's calling and how their faith is demonstrated, we look at a lot of New Testaments, and I even mentioned Paul before. But Paul's calling in Acts chapter 9 kind of sounds like a primetime TV show almost. Now, before Paul became a Christian, he was actually a persecutor of Christians. Then the Lord appeared to him and he was struck blind for three days. Later, a disciple named Ananias came and was told by God to go to Saul. Now, Ananias 
was called by God to go to Saul. That's a calling. Ananias knew Saul was a persecutor of Christians, which is what he was, but he had faith that God, who had called him to do this, would watch after him and will look after and keep him safe. So he went to Saul, and we find in Acts chapter 9, verses 15 through 18, this. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he could see it again. He got up and was baptized. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is when Paul came to be. Because Saul became Paul. When he believed in God, when his faith became real, and he put his faith in God and in God's calling in his life, he was healed. Earlier we shared 1 Corinthians 15. The latter part of those verses, 34 through 38, is what we read. Let's look up a couple of verses, though. 30 through 33, and it says, and this is what Paul's saying, And why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah, Jesus? Do you think that I'm just trying to act heroic when I fight with wild beasts at Ephorus, hoping it wouldn't be the end of me? Not on your life. It's resurrection. Resurrection. Always resurrection. That undergirds what I do, what I say, and what I live. If there's no resurrection, we eat, we drink, and the next day we die, and that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves, he says. Don't let yourself be poisoned by this anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good manners. Now that's taken from the message, which is a paraphrase of Scripture. So if you were to look up 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 30 through 38, which is what we've read, It may sound a little different, but the gist of it is, is Paul is saying, I have faith, and my faith is what motivates me to share the witness of God and faith in God with others, because I believe in Jesus. I have faith in the resurrection. I have faith in God. He says he's convinced and that it's his faith that prompts him to listening, to following God. He's not doing it because he's told. He's not doing it because he wants people to recognize him. He's not doing it for kudos and pats on the back and fame. He's doing it because of the calling in his life, and he's fulfilling it because of his faith. 
And like both Paul and Jeremiah, we are called to be messengers of God by sharing our faith. The Bible tells us that the people of the world will not know unless they are told. <laughs> and they won't be told unless we tell them. And when we tell them, when we share our faith, we become stronger. It's been said before, grow your faith by giving it away. Not surrendering what you believe in, but sharing your faith with others so that they too come to believe. So that they too have faith. It's one of the reasons in our program that we share our praise reports first. So that by the time we get to our prayer concerns, in faith believing things will be accomplished, we've already been reminded of how he is faithful. When we have good news, do we not hesitate to share it? Paul talked about the resurrection, death not being final for those who believe in him, in God, right? One of the most quoted scripture verses that people ever say is what? John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son so that what? Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That sounds a lot like resurrection. That's what Paul was talking about. So the Bible says is ours when we believe, when we have faith. And that is what that we are called to share, that good news. And honestly, we talked about tools. If you don't know how to share it with somebody else, John 3.16 is a great tool. And honestly, you can find it in almost any translation you probably want if you had access to the internet. John 3:16 When we have good news we do not hesitate to share it so let us not let doubt hold us back but in faith believe and step out and listen to God's calling in our lives whatever it may be that we are called to do Sometimes we're unsure of whether or not we'll be able to serve God in the way he wants us to because we allow doubt. Self-doubt, fear, worry. It all starts to creep in. And those things are the enemy of faith. And when they creep in, our faith may be a little shaken. And then the sad thing is as we begin to doubt our faith. But our God isn't going anywhere. He's the same today as yesterday, right? He's always there for us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. The doubt will try to tell us we're alone. Our 
faith reminds us that we are not. The doubt will try to tell us we're not good enough. The doubt tried to tell Jeremiah he was too young. We all may have reasons in our past that we would think make excuses that don't make us worthy enough. But if God has called you, he already knows about all that stuff back then. He's calling you. Maybe not even in spite of it, but because of it. Because it will give you a special tool to be able to share your faith with somebody who is in a similar situation. The greatest tool we had is the Bible, right? But our life experiences, our personal witness is a tool that we can use to share our faith. How God has been faithful to us can help others grow in faith in God. When the Rodriguez family shared that God had answered their prayers and that he has continued to listen to them, we felt lighthearted, didn't we? We believed we had faith in the power of prayer. The God who worked miracles there is the same God who works miracles in our lives. We just have to believe and have faith. And then we grow that faith by sharing it with others. So today, I ask you to look into your heart. See what God wants you to do. How is he calling you? Where is he calling you to? What does he have in store for you? Because I will tell you, his plan for your life is going to be so much better than any plan you can sit around and make. You just have to have faith believing in his calling. We're going to play a song, and as it plays, we'll just invite you to take this time in prayer. What are you being called to? Not everyone is called into full-time service as a minister. But everybody is called by God to share their faith. To share it with others so that they too may come to believe, so that they too have faith of their own. So as the music plays, you can come to the altar, you can do so in your seat there. But ask yourself, are you listening to what God is calling you? To where God is
Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. Help us to have faith, Lord, and faith in the calling that you have called us to, Lord, and faith that you will equip us, that you will provide for us, Lord, that you will give us your strength to meet your will. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you give us strength to share our faith with others, that they may too believe. We ask these things. Be with us, Lord, in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you for coming today. <laughs>